Jacob Black joins us on the line now from SBS Television. And Jacob, you'll be covering the Dakar once again for SBS. Last year, your first experience of it. Can you talk us through what that event is like? The event, Craig, is just insane. It's the toughest and most dangerous and most difficult event in motorsport in the world today. Um, it's probably only a matter of time before they ban it, unfortunately. Um, but look, it's massive heat, massive uh, uh, length of time that people are in the cockpit. You're talking about driving, you know, three and four hundred k's just to get to the special stage, and then the special stages that on some stages are 600 kilometres long of competition, uh, and and that's through the desert. And it's not like going down a dirt road in the desert. It's, it's going across the bush and across the the sand and the rocks and the trees and everything, it's just there's a desert, go through, find your way and, and really, really tough conditions for the competitors. The competitors know what they're getting into. Did you have any idea last year just what you would be experiencing? I, I had some idea. Obviously, I'd spoken to Bruce Garland, who's, who's probably Australia's most senior representative on the Dakar before the event. And, um, and he'd said, look, it's going to be a bit rough. But I, I actually had no idea just how hard it is. It's, it's 15 days and late nights, early mornings, there's people, you know, you're sleeping in this campsite where people are busy stripping down and rebuilding cars all throughout the night. So there's, there's noise and light and you're in the desert and it's cold at night and it's hot in the day. And, and it really, it takes a lot out of you, even just as a journalist, just driving behind the thing. So... For the guys that are racing it, especially the guys that are doing it on motorbikes, and we've got six of them in it this year, it's um, it's a pretty spectacular thing to be able to achieve. The Dakar, of course, started out as the Paris to Dakar, but now yep. it's in South America. What happened to what was the uh, traditional overland race? Well, the first thing that happened was, um, was the kidnapping of, of a... A bunch of French tourists in Africa uh, just before the 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 last well the, sh the last one that was scheduled for the mainland for Africa and for for Europe um, and then sort of with the crime and and the terrorism and, and that sort of thing that was happening in Africa at the time it was just seemed to be too dangerous to continue to hold the event in Africa not only were they contending with the desert and the conditions and the and the the taxing on your body of the distance of the thing, they're also dealing with with those terrorist threats and the and the crime and the hijackings and things like that. So they've moved it to a to a much safer location in terms of human intervention, but um, still a very very dangerous and treacherous location in terms of the conditions and the and the stress that the vehicles and the drivers are put under. You mentioned uh, that now being in South America, it doesn't have some of the risks, but we remember all too well how many times Formula One teams go to Brazil and have muggings and uh, and uh, car invasions, and we saw it this year, in fact, with Jensen Button. So, how much safer is it for these competitors? Look, it's it's certainly safer than some of those parts of Africa. To say that South America and Argentina and but Argentina and Chile is uh, crime-free is is not accurate. Um, uh, so it, there's still a level of that sort of danger. But I think the the really great thing about Argentina and Chile and the Dakar being in those countries is the people in those countries really embrace the sport. They really love it. So there's people lining the streets 
even people out in the dunes, you know, 100 kilometres into a special stage in the desert, <coughs> who've gone out to watch the rally. And so there's not so much opportunity for, um, for those that would seek to do ill um, to actually be able to do it, because I think they'd find that they'd, they'd be intervened on by just the spectators and the people in Argentina and Chile. It's a really important thing for their communities and for their country, especially for a country like Argentina, where motorsport's really very much in the top three, you know, sports behind sort of soccer and polo in that country. Now, what is interesting is the Australians, as you mentioned, Bruce Garland, the senior statesman, but how many Australians are over there and how many Australians are competing? Yeah, we've, we're going to have uh, eight vehicles. So we've got two cars this year. Bruce Garland and, and Harry Suzuki have gotten back over there in that Isuzu D-Max. And they're going to be joined by uh, Jeff Olholm and, and Steve Riley, who are two other Australian safari competitors. And they've got a little BMW X-Raid that they're going to campaign over there. And then there's the motorbikes, and, and Andrew Scott's going back for his second attempt at the Dakar. He's living in Canada, in Canada at the moment, but he's an Australian. And then there's Mark Davidson, a uh, West Australian guy called Simon Haslett, Simon Pavey and Warren Strange. And, and those guys are all more or less supported by or, or affiliated with the GHR Honda team who've put a team together. And then the figurehead of that GHR Honda team is a, is a whiz kid, a 22-year-old bloke called Jacob Smith. Um, great name and also a very great rider, really, really fast guy. Had some problems at the safari and, and got injured, um, so he'll be looking to to make sure he's recovered from that injury for the Dakar, but um, really talented rider and, and capable of of doing big things on the Dakar. Mm. The names of the vehicles uh, particularly, not so much the bikes, uh, are quite strange to... Us in motorsport, you for years, of course, the Pajeros from Mitsubishi and other cars like that were in it. But now we're talking about Isuzus and the like. Just how many manufacturers get in and support this event? Um, well, manufacturer support waned in recent years, and now it's sort of come back again this year. The big guns are the Volkswagens and the BMWs. They're really the the ultimate. Um, there, Nissan still throw their support, and they support. Um, some South African guys running uh, little Nissan Utes with um, Nissan three-cylinder, uh, sorry, three-liter six-cylinder engines in them. There's the Isuzu, obviously. BMW um, get uh, put their factory cars in, but then there's also variations of those made by X-Raid. And X-Raid also put in some Land Rovers and some uh, some. Uh, bowlers from the UK and, and get support from those guys as well so so they run in the trucks there's, it's really the Eastern Europeans so the Tatras and the Camazes Oka, Australian brand now defunct used to run but obviously don't anymore um, and then the motorbikes obviously at the moment it's the reign of, of KTM really with Yamaha also coming back in and BMW dropped out a couple of years ago. And how much money is a team putting into uh, to get over there and have a realistic chance of competing at the front level? Well, the Volkswagen team is putting in, I mean, they're, they're putting in something around the region of between 50 and $100 million to run the event, just, just for the Dakar event for their team. And that's uh, four cars, all the support, everything else 
and with a lot of backing from Red Bull. And then you look at someone like uh, Bruce Gowland, who's probably putting together about a million dollars just to get over and, and have support for the event and do the event. So it's big money, it's expensive. I know that some of the bike guys can do it for around about $80,000, but it's probably to have a real tilt at it more like 200000 that you'd need to, to really do it and have a tilt at being in the top five. So it's not a cheap exercise, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got a lot of support and it's got a big global audience. Probably not what we'd expect down here in Australia. It's maybe not as big as it is elsewhere, but certainly in Europe, um, you know, the Dakar Rally has a really big following. Mm. Now, SBS will be covering the Dakar once again and you'll be working for them. Can you give us an idea of what uh, you'll be feeding back to the audiences in Australia? Yeah, SBS are going to pick up the half an hour um, highlights package nightly and play that, obviously. And what we're going to do every day is, is just do some some news stories and some videos uploaded to the website just really covering the Australian angle. So we've got eight Aussies on the rally. It's important to get that there and to give the guys back home a sense of, of what our guys are going through over there. So I'll be doing that every every night. We'll have some videos uploaded. We'll have some stories. And we'll also have some live Q&As um, over the internet, although you'd have to be up pretty late at night to get in on that one. Well, Jacob, have a safe trip and uh, we look forward to catching up with you later in the year when you get back from the Dakar to uh, talk about your experience in the desert. Thanks very much, Craig. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.